This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. What's up, you guys? This is Bram, Dieter, and Marcus from the future. So very unusual circumstance here. Um, Let's be transparent. The four of us recorded a podcast on Monday of this week. We talked about lessons we learned from the preseason and continued our dynastic bracket. And this week we looked at Draymond v. Clay. Great episode. Fired up for you to hear it. But as you may be aware, some news broke since we uh, since we released this episode. Not only did the Draymond JP thing uh, find its way into the media, but now there has also been a video that surfaced today via TMZ. So Maxime and I talked about the actual incident in a podcast that released yesterday, but we didn't talk about the video. And before we released this podcast, talking about Draymond and talking about the preseason lessons, it felt ridiculous not to acknowledge this with both Marcus and Dieter. So boys, let me start here. Uh, The audience is getting ready to hear a whole bunch of opinions on Draymond in this episode. Dieter, let me direct it towards you first. Mm-hmm. Now that this, you know, the, the news of the JP thing is is uh, leaked out, and that we've seen a video of it, any of the pity or the opinions that they're getting ready to hear, do you take any of them back? Do you change any of them? How does this impact? It? It, it, you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, right? You don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. And I do firmly believe that the Warriors will get past this; they'll move on, and that Green will, you know, be welcomed back in. That this won't be a, a terribly lingering issue, at least for the Warriors. It might be in the media sphere and with fans, and and it should be held against Draymond for as long as Draymond's in the public sphere and even beyond that. Uh, this is this is bad. The video. Uh, highlights how why the Warriors were treating it like such a significant incident. Uh, and it, it's it's a sucker punch to a teammate that's almost a decade younger than you. There's no excuse for that. You can't get away with that. And Draymond is going to pay for this dearly throughout the rest of his career because his reputation, which was always strange, is now forever sullied by this because all of those legends about Draymond Green at practice and him towing the line, he'll never get the benefit of the doubt there again. And he shouldn't. And it's going to cost him tremendously uh, when his contract is up. He might have to opt into the final year of his contract now just because I I don't know if there's a market for Draymond Green. I don't know if there will ever be a market for Draymond Green beyond the Golden State Warriors, who, by the way, can handle this. They can get through this. Uh, I don't know if there's another team in the NBA that could make that claim, and that's why 
Draymond and the Warriors will probably be together for a very long time, albeit at a, at a price that Draymond Green probably doesn't want and probably isn't expecting. So uh, I don't think it changes anything. We, we've always known the dichotomy of Draymond Green uh, that, that, you know, he gives more than he takes. But right now, it's, there's a little bit of an imbalance, and he's going to have to work really hard to, uh, to get back into the good graces of everybody, and he's not going to win everybody over. Uh, once again, if he if he even had that many supporters beforehand, I don't think it changes anything we talked about, but it is it is important context because this is something that will be mentioned in the first paragraph of his uh, MBA obituary. If you yep. MT, does this change things for you? Um, it doesn't. I mean, I, I, you know, the, the punch 100 percent was terrible. Um, the way it connected was was bad. You see the video, oof. you're like, oof, um, you know, Jordan Poole is 10 years younger and significantly lighter, um, doesn't weigh as much. So um, it just wasn't a good look. All that said, um, I think the Warriors are strong enough to get through this as an internal culture to Dieter's point. I don't think this has an impact um, with the Warriors. I think it does with Draymond's future with any other teams. But um, when it's all said and done, like teammates fight. There's a lot of stuff that happens. This isn't the first time that these two have, have argued. I'm sure this isn't the first time that punches have been thrown at a, between Warriors teammates. It's just the first time mm-hmm. that we've seen video and it's been publicized. David West said, uh, you know, a few years ago that if the public knew half of the stuff that went on during that championship year, that we would all go crazy. So um, it happens, you know, it happens in the NFL preseason mm-hmm. daily teammates fight all the time and you get kicked out of practice and you come back the next day and you know nothing's changed so it's different with the nba this was you know a, a serious moment I, I think draymond will pay for it but i think you handle it internally i think you kick the media out you handle it as a team you do whatever you need to do to make sure that jordan feels like you know whatever is done if you guys put on boxing gloves and he gets a free shot at draymond <laughs> whatever is the you know like the the quid pro quo for that um but i think that happens and i don't and, think they can do um, that they move I, on no they can't they can't do that they no, can't I, do that but. i think the video the video changed both of those things for me mt if we had had this discussion yesterday right when we were talking about this and i hadn't seen the video yet I agree. So Chris Childs agrees with you. He, you know, the, the New York uh, old school point guard said if there had been videos of our practices, you guys would have been going crazy. And the, the NFL take, I understand as well. But what I had imagined and what the video immediately took away was that this was an escalation of a, of a shoving match, that these guys yeah. were in a, in a heated back and forth. You know, maybe it was like a rebounding drill, whatever it was that a competitor competition got the best of them and it just kept escalating, 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 and then a punch got thrown. That is not what happened. You know, what that video shows is there may have been some words, but it was Draymond was the sole escalator. You know, and in on those NFL practice uh, fights, you don't see somebody get sucker punched. In the things that David West was talking about, I imagine that he thought that these were escalations, you know, that the scenario I was just describing, that video shows something entirely different. Do you, do you disagree with that? I, I, I get where you're coming from. I just don't. It's not as if the Warriors are seeing the video for the first time on Friday. They yep. know what happened in yep. the moment. Now, I would like to say um, there were sort of conflicting reports on it. Uh, not everyone had a great angle from what I could surmise. Uh, and not, this is nothing to do with, you know, the clutch narrative or whatever. Like 
there were conflicting reports from people who were on the court yeah. to me yeah. uh, regarding how it went down because it, it did. It, it happened real fast. Not everybody was looking at the thing thinking, oh, man, they're going to come to blows. It was a push by Poole uh, after Draymond went chest to chest with him. And then it was Draymond lunging and punching at the same time and then yep. pinning Poole up against the wall. It's a sucker punch. Uh, no one should expect that coming. I find the people who are, are, you know, listen, we can make some levity out of the situation. I'm not trying to uh, be a Puritan about this whole thing, but like people who want to hold this against pool are kind of sick in the head. Like you get sucker punched. You're allowed to go down guys. Like it's not, it's not an, we don't, we're not impugning uh, Jordan pool over this. And by the way, let's, let's give some credit to Jordan pool. He finished practice, right? So he, he took it. He got up, finished practice like a dude. Uh, showed up to practice the next day. You don't see him tweeting about it. You don't see him TikToking about it. You don't see anything. He's keeping it low. He's being a pro's pro, uh, which uh, it, it contradicts sort of the initial, um, how do you put it, damage control that might have been put out by a certain agency to a certain reporter in the immediate aftermath of the situation. Uh, and, and the Warriors, uh, Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, all, all three of them yesterday are like, it's totally ridiculous to think that Jordan Poole had this coming that he has, you know, that he's been brash and unprofessional that, uh, that it's been the furthest thing from the truth, which aligns with what I had heard. And we all know that pool, he's pretty Gen Z's maybe a, a different cat, but to, to, in, to in any way infer that like Jordan pool had that coming or that Draymond isn't hundred percent in the wrong or that pool, you know, didn't take it like a man or whatever is just, it, it's just laughable. Draymond, sure. Draymond, oh, it's just it, – it, it, it's bad news for him long-term, but, like, the Warriors knew what was happening. They saw what happened. They saw the video. It's not like they didn't have access to it, and TMZ did. Uh, someone from in-house leaked it, uh, probably for a nice chunk of change, too. Like, they knew what happened. They knew – they weren't trying to sweep it under the rug. They acknowledged it Thursday. I just don't – I don't see any cover-up. I don't see any reason to change the paradigm. Um, we can disagree if their punishment is – worthy of the crime. No one will ever come to a consensus on what's right or what's wrong there. Ultimately, Draymond's going to pay for this to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. I mean, and, and that that's a bigger punishment than anything that the Warriors could hand out. And also the Warriors, the Warriors know how he handled it behind the scenes. They know if his apology was truly contrite. They know if he, uh, how he handled the situation. We haven't talked to Draymond yet. He's gone radio silence, save for posting a podcast with Patrick Beverly that I'm sure happened before the punch. Uh, there's, there's, you know, until we hear from Draymond, uh, we don't really have the full context of the story. A 17 second video clip also doesn't provide it. So uh, he deserve he deserves any punishment that he got. He'll he, he'll be punished for years to come. I just don't think that us being privy to what the Warriors knew Wednesday changes anything from the Warriors' perspective. Uh, I, I just think that that's, that's just us wanting to feel like we have some say in the matter. Oh, yeah. It also gives us a little perspective on our own. When they trotted out their biggest guns to deal with this in a press yes. conference, you know, and, and they telegraphed how serious this was before we had any real knowledge on it. Now that we've been able to see the video, I understand yeah. why they're treating it this way. Uh, they, were, another- they were dead serious yesterday. Like, I, I went in, listen, I had, I had been told by somebody that, like, this will blow over. Now, that might have been wishful thinking by <laughs> that person. Um, uh, and, and it'll probably blow over, but like not anytime soon. Uh, certainly not now that everyone's seen the video. Uh, but when Bob Myers comes up and is somber, like down, like down bad, like in a bad, funky mood, and Steve Kerr comes out onto the dais and is pissed, yep. like, ang- like viscerally angry. 
None of the Steve Kerr that we really know. This is like hyper-competitive breaking clipboard Steve Kerr. And then Steph Curry comes out and he doesn't crack a joke, right? Like Steph has always sort of cracked a joke about sort of serious moments. And he did at the very end of the press conference. Uh, but there is no... It, 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 they they absolutely underscored the severity of it, and now that we know the full context, now that the video is out there. From, the truth is, is, I mean, Steph yeah. called it a moment that could ruin their season. I mean, everybody understood 100%. this as it went. And the other thing I that that screamed from that video to me, and you identified it already, Dieter. But so the, you know, for people who haven't watched it yet, there's a moment where Draymond and JP are shoulder to shoulder, doing that thing mm-hmm. that normally never escalates anywhere else. And while right. that's happening, nobody else on the practice course gives a shit. They see it and they don't react. What that tells me is that that happens all the time. You know, yes. if if right now someone in my office, I'm sitting in an office setting, somebody starts right. screaming outside, I'd immediately go out there and look, you know, because it's unusual. Right. Unless, unless they were screaming here all the time, then I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a big deal. And so I think we saw that there is drama within practice, or at least Draymond pushes the, the boundaries all the time. And then this mm-hmm. was an exceptionally different thing. Um which, which leads to, I think this forever changes the perception of Draymond. Draymond's superpower yes. was weaponizing his emotions, bringing it right up to the line and never crossing it. Now that he's crossed the line on video with a teammate, I don't know how we go back to that other, you know, that other side. It'd be like if I'm hanging out with a superhero who can shoot lasers out of their eyes, and then they suddenly shoot lasers out of their eyes unexpectedly and uncontrolled. How do I sit with them anymore? If I know that you can't yeah. control this thing and it could go off at any moment, how can I trust this? But let's not be naive and think that this is the first time. Maybe it's the first time that there have been punches and it's the first time that we've seen it. But as you noted, like they went shoulder to shoulder, chest to chest, and no one thought much of it. Like, yes, Draymond crossed the line. I can't blame anybody for viewing Draymond in a different light now, but like, Let's also not be naive and think that this is the first time that Draymond has ever crossed the line. Maybe by this much, but he's crossed that line time and time and time again. He threatened to fight Steve Kerr in a locker room at halftime. They had to call the cops. They had to call the cops. Like literally the security arrived, right? I am not a robot was screamed uh, from inside those closed doors. It is his superpower. And uh, he crosses that line. He knows how to come back to. He's come back from it time and time again. And it's not great. It's not a good look. Uh, and ultimately 29 other teams in the NBA, maybe 30, 31 by the time uh, Draymond actually gets his contract around with the expansion, they're going to look at this and say, we can't make a bet a hundred million dollar bet that we can keep this guy in line. The warriors can barely keep this guy in line. They got 10 years of collateral with him. They got 10 years of history. They know this dude as well as anybody. They love that dude. What are we going to do? Like even LeBron's got to be like, I don't know, man. Like, that's not that's not for me like that. That's going to cost him dearly. He has no leverage with the Warriors now in contract negotiations. You can't convince me as much as the Warriors tried yesterday that this isn't at least subconsciously not to play psychoanalyst something to do with the contract situation and Jordan Poole probably getting paid and Draymond not. And now Draymond just I mean, he might have he might as well have lit that money on fire because now the Warriors don't have to pay him anything close to a max contract and he can't go anywhere else and say, I'll get it from, from them. He, he is, he is going to be a one team player so long as the Warriors won in which they will. And uh, it kind of works out for golden state that way in a weird twisted way. It will not work out for Draymond green because by the way, the media empire that was constantly expanding, that's got to go on hold. When was the last time you heard from Will Smith? 
<laughs> yeah. One thing that gives me um, hope is that Steve Kerr is um, experienced in these kind of things. And he's the one who has to bring <laughs> the team and the culture back together at the end of the day. Um you know, Steve Kerr was famously in a fight in practice and got punched by Michael Jordan. Now, is Draymond Green Michael Jordan? No. Um, was it the same scenario? It doesn't sound like it sounds like Steve Kerr threw a punch and Michael Jordan threw a punch back. But, um, you know, they're they're close. They're close enough yeah. that Steve Kerr has experience with how do you take a team fight like this and galvanize it around it? Steve, you know, famously said he it brought him and Michael Jordan closer together because Michael Jordan respected him that he didn't back down to him. So who knows where that goes? I don't think it's the same scenario here, but it may, you know, in a, some way, Steve may be able to have this be a moment where it actually brings Draymond and Jordan closer together. And um, hopefully so. No way that happens. So that I think that yeah. this is where the video makes a gigantic difference, right? Let's go back to 1995. Let's assume that there is a video of Jordan punching Kerr. Then let's assume for, for weeks, uh, all of Kerr's peers watched that video and called him a bitch. For weeks, everybody That's watched that video and said, to me. well, but, but it is happening, but, but we can, we can yeah, talk That's, about, but hold on, hold on, hold on. That's we such can, a fucked up concept. Yeah, of course it is. And we can, we can talk about why society does that. But as far yeah. as impact on the person in the video, if Kerr had been called by all of his peers as someone who didn't fight back, someone who was dragged through the mud, if, if he was a nasty perception and he watched millions of people, Lamar Jackson, the, the Baltimore uh, quarterback, came out and said, if that was me, I'd have to fight this guy every single day. If that had happened back in 95, I don't think Kerr would be crediting that fight for bringing them closer. You know, And that's why this video gets so ugly. Now, MT, of course, you're right about the championship uh, culture. You know, we talk about what Golden State has as far as a locker room. Most of the time it's a bonus. This time it's a necessity. If they're going to get through this, yes. that's what's going to get them through it. But the video, that's one of the big things it changes, man, is it it creates this power dynamic now where I don't know if Poole um, can just disappear, you know, silently. I think he has to say something and I think that will impact the punishment. I really do. I mean, I think the punishment's already happened. I think that uh, the Warriors are going to let this lie. And ultimately, what the Warriors are hoping for, and, and you know, I, I would imagine that they brought in Poole in the matter. Uh, yeah. I would hope they did. That would be yeah. the smart thing. I mean, th their issue here isn't so much the Draymond part. It's the Jordan Poole saying, get me the fuck out of here. Yep, you're right. Like, I'm not dealing with this shit anymore. Because while that would solve a lot of luxury tax issues, it would make the Warriors appreciably worse, uh, both in the short and the long term. Because yeah, not only would you be losing a player who not only has all-star potential currently, but you know could be a perennial all-star, could be a foundational player for this team. They're treating him like a future foundational player for this team. You'd be losing that guy for uh, cents on the dollar, uh, if anything. But also now you have sullied the reputation that the Warriors can sort of yep. do anything and fix anything. They, they have this impunity to them that um, has been hard-earned. And that would be gone if Jordan Poole's like, I, this is dysfunctional. I want to be out. Um, they need to do everything they can in their power, not to punish Draymond Green, but to make sure that Jordan Poole feels yep. like he is being heard, that he is being protected, that he is, um, that he is the most important aspect of this you know, terrible situation. And I haven't heard anything to the contrary on that, but it's not a one-time deal. This is a thing that will have to be consistent. 
uh, throughout the, the season. And you know what? Jordan Poole, as much as Draymond Green just lost a bunch of money, Jordan Poole just probably got a lot of money. So in a weird, twisted way, it might be good for Jordan Poole's bankroll in the long run. But, uh, man, it, it, it is – it's nasty. It's bad. And you're, I thought you nailed it. The infrastructure of the Warriors, having a Bob Myers with the ability to – to deal with players and deal with sticky situations the way that he can having Steve Kerr, who has nine championships under his belt, who has seen it all, who's done it all, who's taken a punch from the greatest there ever was having Steph Curry, who always brings it back to the team, the ultimate superstar who was always team first having those guys and Andre Iguodala, my God, they're, they're thinking that 2.5 or whatever they had to spend on Andre Iguodala is a bargain now because it beats having to bring in outside counsel, uh, his ability to go, you know, from player to player to relate to the young guys, to bring, you know, sort of the wisdom of the league to everybody in that locker room. Uh, absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary now. And th- if this team can't get through this, and they might not, I think they will, but they might not. If they can't get through it, nobody could. Uh, and, and that is going to be the really interesting thing to watch moving forward because the Warriors will certainly say, you know, we've dealt with it in-house. We're not talking about it anymore. But this bad boy is going to linger because we all have we all have the image in our mind of Draymond sucker punching Jordan Poole and pinning him up against the wall. And that's not something we're going to forget anytime soon. You're 100 percent right. I've kept you guys way longer than I promised. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it with this. I and this is what a stupid trite way to put it. But in some ways, the person who leaked the video to TMZ may have done more damage to the Golden State Warriors than Draymond Green. <laughs> um, what would yeah. you guys do if, if it was up to you? If Myers called you desperately, he's like, I don't know how to handle this. What punishment should I levy? What would your suggestions be? On uh, the leaker or on Draymond? Uh, yeah, great, great distinction on Draymond. Uh, on Draymond, I, I would have said you, you find him significantly, you keep him out for. I, I think what the Warriors did is fine. Uh, I, you know, it, it's always going to be wrong. I don't think that there's a correct, obvious punishment. There's not exactly precedent for this. Uh, I, I think what the Warriors did is fine because ultimately Draymond is going to pay the price on this a little bit every day for a decade to come, if not longer. And, um, you know, losing a couple practices or whatever, isn't gonna, it, it, you know, it's, it's not going to change that. Do you agree MT? I do. I think it had, they handle it right. You handle it internally. I don't think it warrants a suspension. Um, I think you have to have the closed door meeting with, with pool to Dieter's point to make sure pool is on board and comfortable moving forward. And, and then you keep, you move it on. Um, I do think you, run the same drill, but you put the, whoever leaked the video in Jordan Poole's place and you just let Draymond do what he does again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel, I I hope that that kid or whomever did it got paid a good deal of money from DMZ, which, uh, because I, I, Oh boy, that that they're getting fired. They're going to find them pretty fast. (laughs) I hate to make any, any, or make light of the situation in any way, but one of the things that entertained me about that video was Ron Adams. Like Ron Adams goes over, sees that there's a fire, and then immediately once the punch is thrown, he's like, nope, and then just walks away. Like, I'm not going to get involved in that shit. This is getting a little out of control here. But isn't it interesting that Ron Adams sort of knew what was about to go down? Like, he was following Draymond. So He was the only one. You're 100% right. Dieter's read on that is is on the money. Because from what you can tell, if you haven't watched the video, 
Tula's on the baseline, not really paying attention. Yeah. And Draymond He's John a little bit, I think. Oh, I think so too. Draymond decides to escalate it. Nobody else sees that except for Adams, who follows Draymond over. Mm. And then once the punch is thrown, he's like, okay, no, that's not why nope. I came over here. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not stepping <laughs> in get, between. You guys want to push, I can get my arm in there. He's got long <laughs> arms, Ron Adams. But yeah, Ron Adams, oh, okay, that's where we're going. I'm going to be. <laughs> Stepping this side here. No 70-year-olds getting involved in this nonsense. Patrick Baldwin Jr., who's close to them but is a fucking rookie, immediately breaks eye contact with the entire thing and starts looking away like, I hope this ends and what happens now? You know, like Did Bob Bob said yesterday that uh, a rookie and uh, so or a young player, so you can infer which young player it was, asked him, Does this sort of thing happen a lot? <laughs> That would be no, me. it doesn't. That would be me. That, that's exactly how I'd handle it. I'd just be hell of nervous, you know, like I wouldn't know what to say. I'd stand there and just look down and hope someone would tell me what to do. Like, I, hey, what a, what a nasty scenario. He had no idea. He's like, like wait, is this getting punched? Is on the table? Is this like some sort of rite of passage thing? Like, how does this work? I didn't, I knew I wanted to win championships, but right. at what cost? If you'll do that to pool, what will you do to me? Yeah, <laughs> Exactly right. right. That dude's about to make $30 million. Like, I'm going to be playing in one minute. <laughs> Everyone's rethinking their shot selection ahead of the regular exactly. season. Like, mm, I'm not so sure about that one. Draymond, Draymond has taken actions into his own hands. Well, switch, so switch. Bad. You guard Draymond. You guard Draymond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just stops by Draymond. Just so you know, I think you're incredible. I don't know why they say the whole triple single thing. I think that's totally uh, out of context. Boys, I would never play drop coverage on YouTube. Never. You hit every three that I've watched you take. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, I really appreciate you and audience. Enjoy the podcast that's to come. It's going to be a long one now. We appreciate your guys' patience <laughs> and uh, let us know what you think. We're going to bring y'all to our huddle. You are in. You're in huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. After quite a long time, my boy and producer, Marcus. And you were 100% on mute when you said that? <laughs> hey, 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 what's up, Dub Nation? Well, you threw me off. You're like, after a long time, we recorded a couple of days ago. So Factually inaccurate. It's definitely been more than a couple of days. It's been longer. We did a two-man pod. What are you talking about? I've forgotten how to use a mic since the last time we recorded. So clearly, it's been a long time. The production also, level of this podcast is 10 out of 10. It's, it's really high. Thank you. Also, you're spoiling you're spoiling the ending here, Dieter. They don't know uh, that you're the guest yet, man. We, they, we gotta- they, they, they read the title. Also, back with me, my master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? And you guys won't believe this. There's no way you know who our guest is rejoining us after way too long. A host on KNBR Sports Leaders Airwaves, the Golden State Specialist for the Bay Area News Group, and a man who probably agrees with me that the Phoenix Suns are somewhere right now, feverishly working out after their loss to the Adelaide 36ers, Mr. Dieter Kartenbach. What's going on, Dieter? If winners work, what do losers do after a game? That's what I'm really curious about with the Phoenix Suns. How's it going, everybody? We're going well. So for those who don't spend a lot of time on preseason basketball, you may have missed (laughs) that the Phoenix Suns were the first NBA team since 2016 when OKC lost to Real Madrid to lose to a non-NBA team. The Sixers just lost to the Australian team, the Adelaide 36ers. Does this mean anything? I mean, so this is entertaining. You know, I'm a Warriors fan, and that makes me a Phoenix hater. Um, but it's also a preseason game. So does can we pull anything from this? Does it matter that they lost this game to a nothing team? 
Yes. The Adelaide 36ers aren't even that good in the Australian League. And the Australian League isn't even that good. Like, we all like it because they speak English, but, like, it has nothing on Euro basketball. Like, it's just – it's not even comparable. Like, Justinian Jessup's ripping them down there, just giving them the business. Like, Andrew Bogut's playing just, like, half in the tank. Like, it's not – it's not a top league. It's not a thing. It's growing, but it's not a thing. And the Adelaide 36ers, I think we're a sub 500 team last year in the MVL. This is absolutely a thing. And I'm all the way here. Dude, they are 10 and 18. They weren't even like close to 500. They were 10 and 18. And I'll tell you what makes it a thing for me. So I read two facts about this. One, they were at home. They played in Phoenix. Oh yeah. Two, this is the first game all of them has played back together in home since they lost that game seven. And so you got to figure there, there must have been some, okay, you know, fuck this energy. Like you waited this whole time and like, what a terrible loss. It's never going to happen again. I just need an opportunity. And I get that the starters didn't play really. And I get that this wasn't a real game, but there's no way they didn't get in there thinking, okay, here's our chance. And then you lose to the 36ers. They don't even have an original name. It's based off the fucking, on the Philly team. It doesn't make any sense. On top of that, the whole thing that the Phoenix Suns are based off of is depth. Like, that's their whole thing. It's like, yeah, we might not have the best starting lineup, but we close out really well and we're really deep. We come in waves. And the Adelaide 36ers are like, we're capable of handling all of this and a little bit more. <laughs> it wasn't like it. <laughs> the Adelaide 36ers play on a three-point line that's shorter than the NBA. It's like a collegiate three-point line. Right. And the Phoenix Suns still allowed them to shoot like 50% from like big boy three-point line. It's it, We're absolutely reading into it because the entire offseason for the Suns was just chaos. I guess they didn't get their Robert Sarver pregame pep talk and that's what <laughs> let them down. But like you get you get Devin Booker being soft on Twitter after you get Chris Paul. I mean, things have always gone well in the latter years of Chris Paul. Right. Like it's it's always just an upward trajectory to oh, the very end with Chris Paul. And then you have the DeAndre Ayton situation. Jay Crowder's not there. It's a hot mess. You knew that it was going to be bad. This is just like there's no way that this is not something we're talking about in February when the Suns are right. like just sputtering around. And we're like, remember when they lost to the crappy Australian team? Oh, I love it. It's the best. Marcus, I haven't talked to you for like a month and a half. Were you in Phoenix? Where have you been? <laughs> Hold on. Let me go off and mute. Um, yeah, no, it's, I, I agree with Dieter. I think it, you have to look into it. Um, you know, given the 36ers, you have to give them credit. They shot lights out. They shot like, you know, 58. Got to give credit to the 36ers. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, they shot lights out from the three point, which, you know, is, is a little abnormal, but I think it speaks volumes to how fragile team chemistry is. Um, you know, the, the Suns were an amazing regular season team and then they had that collapse in the playoffs. And I think mentally this group might be shot. This might be, uh, you know, the canary in the coal mine for this group in terms of them being able to, really get over the hump mentally like physically they're still really talented but if you if you lose to a, that team a sub 500 nbl team and they had their starters and they didn't play them in the fourth but they played them quarters one through three so i think you can absolutely look into it and i think it's something that will stick with them for a little while that phrase you got to give credit to that presupposes a certain level of talent, right? If you're the number one team in the NBA and you lose to a lottery team, 
you that's when you well, you got to give credit to, but you're also, you know, like they're also professionals and it is what they came to play. If you're an NBA team and you lose to a junior high team, you're not allowed to be like, well, you got to give credit to those junior hires. Like they they were shooting the ball today. It was what it was. Like this is you can't talk this one away. Like that, that's not a good one. The Adelaide 36ers are professionals too, you guys. They get paid too. They get paid a poverty wage, but they get paid too. Exactly. They get paid in dollars, but not American dollars. It's Australian yeah. dollars. Oh, and the Australian dollar, we know that's taken. It's the Adelaide 36ers up Australian dollar down. I digress, Dieter. We genuinely need you today. So one of the things I've always admired about you is your ability to make difficult decisions without thinking twice. And because of that, I've literally, I've been saving, holding back questions for you for what I'm going to call difficult decision day with Dieter. But before we get there, I got a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, housekeeping thing number one, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know, maybe a week ago, as, as shown by Marcus, I'm terrible at time, um, but we had Wes on. And I was talking to Wes about Kerr's penchant for breaking Kurt boards. And I asked him inadvertently, have you ever broken anything out of anger? And he was honest. He told me he broke a chair during a conversation with an ex-girlfriend, which I should have gotten some details on and didn't. And then I said, but I never have. I may have done something weenie, I think I said, like breaking a pen during the finals, but nothing too big. And then we got a real sizable amount of email pointing out that I threw my phone and broke my wall during the playoffs in front of my then six-year-old. So, okay, smart asses, you guys were right. You're paying attention. I definitely have broken something. But it leads to this. Have any of you guys ever broken something out of anger and i want to guess all right so let's i want to start with uh let's start with maxime my guess on maxime is no i think maxime has thought about it i think he's come close and then i think he got lost in the thought process i think it was like he started thinking about like well what would that mean about me personality wise and that's just way too much and then by the time he got through the end of the analysis the anger had passed and it was no longer need to to do it so on his mind but hasn't broken it what do you think mt I think he's. I think he broke something. I think it was accidental, but I think something got broken. <laughs> Dieter, I'm going to go with broken. It's hard for me to believe that no one's ever broken anything. I mean, even just inconsequential. And yeah, I'm kind of with empty. Just like, like accidental, like shocked by one's own strength, like that. That's the definite vibe I'm getting here. Maxine, what's the answer? So I don't know, what is this accidental versus on purpose thing? Isn't the whole conceit here you're angry and therefore <laughs> out of a crime of passion? In this, you are Lenny of mice and men. Like you don't you don't mean to do anything, but you're like, oh my god, I have no <laughs> idea. I'm so sorry. No, you're like you're like bending something. So uh, I don't want to give away the, the latest thing, uh, but like you're trying not to break it, but then it breaks. Like you're, you're it, it kind of feign feign breaking something and it breaks anyway like i feel like that's happened to everybody What's I the see. Answer? well so so no i have never broken anything and i and i know because i remember the maddest i've ever been um i tried to break something i wanted to make a point that i was very angry and so i flung my cell phone but i realized <laughs> kind of bram to your point as i was flinging it oh shit i really shouldn't break this so it was just like i like kind of spun it as it went out of my hand so it like glanced <laughs> off the ground and didn't actually break but i think i made the point you know you like, i was pretty pissed yeah, i'm brady everyone tuck rule <laughs> yeah. everyone around you felt awkward but you still had the possession so it was almost like a best a best case scenario That's exactly right let's go to reason prevailed i don't think we have to guess too hard he basically just told us i'm going yes and more than one thing you know i'm uh, so let's change it because he's he's already given us the the yes or no so yes or no something worth more than 50 bucks i say no on that i don't think he's ever gone over the 50 threshold i agree 
just by his hand gestures, it was more like a very big pencil or something. So I'm going to go <laughs> under four, under 50. <laughs> Sounds about right. I, I, I'm trying to picture the hand gesture of throwing a very large pencil, but I, you know, <laughs> with, with that in mind, to you, Dieter, what's the answer? Uh, I did give I did give it away, and it is not dissimilar from a very large pencil. That, that's a very good read. Um, I was playing Pebble Beach uh, not not long ago, and uh, on the 18th hole, I really wanted to have a good drive. Driver wasn't uh, cooperating with me, and so I just sort of put the shaft over my head and snapped it. Oh, uh, the head! Like and, a Bo Jackson. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely costs more than $50. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, not great that it could break that easy. And that's that's also where I was coming from with the sort of like, I just kind of wanted to just put a little something into it, just take out my frustration, turn it into a bow flex for a second. And instead, uh, no, just it just, sh- it just shattered everywhere. So uh, do you have to acknowledge that with the person you're playing with. Like, do, is there something you mean my family? Yeah. So is it like a super yeah. awkward conversation? Do you just pretend like it didn't happen? Yeah, I had to play it off like, <laughs> that's fun real fast, because otherwise they're like, oh, God, like this man's a danger to himself man? and others. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, golf, golf in the curtain box household. You, you might not uh, you might not know this about me. It might be a bit competitive. It might be it might be a bit neurotic. And uh, and that might have crossed the line. So if this was, makes you feel any better, I've almost lost friendships over mini golf. I've thrown clubs over mini golf. Like, so I, I can immediately associate with all of this. It's a 10 year family feud about mini golf. We do okay. not need to get I like that your family. I this. really like your family. It's, yes. Yes. And no one likes being in it. <laughs> that leaves MT. We'll do this one quick so we can turn to warriors. Uh, the answer is yes. MT has broken something, but he won't admit it to us. He's going to tell us no, and we'll never know what it actually was. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a yes, but he's gonna spin it into a great story about how he's actually you know a fantastic person because he broke this thing. You've never seen anybody throw something more gracefully before it broke. It's yes, and there's no there's no redeeming quality. No qualifiers. <laughs> what do you got, MT? <laughs> Dieter knows me so well. Um, yes, it, the answer is yes, and it was in uh, the sport of tennis which for some reason gets me abnormally frustrated compared to any other sports. Normally I can contain it and, and handle myself and stay calm. But for some reason during that match, the dude I was playing with, he was a little too arrogant and I couldn't, there's a couple shots I just should have made. And I didn't do it. And I slammed my racket down and busted the racket and I'm not a professional player. So I didn't have like a backup racket. So the match was over at that point. <laughs> the game was just <laughs> Did you say you something like I would have won? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would have won had I not just done that. Yeah. You're so lucky that happened. I also love how that started with, it was in the sport of tennis. This fool didn't say in the sport of golf. He said, I was playing at Pebble beach. This guy, that feels like a, uh, like something for like the 19th century or something. Well, that in tow, let's talk basketball, boys. I do have these difficult decisions, but before we get there, let's do our glass half full. Dieter, you'll remember, this is when we look back at recent hoop, and we actually have basketball to talk about. There's been two preseason games, but don't feel constrained by that. Look at the offseason at large if you'd like, and what we want is either something you like or don't like about Warriors basketball. I'll just turn it to you. What do you got? I really liked the pick of Patrick Baldwin Jr. at number 28. Now, it's a very easy thing to say, 
after those two preseason games in Japan where he was arguably the most outstanding player. Uh, I think it was 19 points in 25 minutes. Um, But that's the kind of swing that the Warriors need to be taking at 28. That's the kind of move that they have to do. You have to go big. You have to go for the guy who was a five-star, the guy who was at one point the number one recruit in this class. And then you have to trust, as they well should, that Santa Cruz is going to get the job done. Uh, if you want to throw him down there for a couple of years to develop. Uh, the Warriors have done, clearly, they did a great job with sort of managing the two timelines last year. I think they're going to have about three this year because they got two new rookies in in Rollins and Baldwin, and you're not really sure what to do with them. Last year, they knew they had to get uh, minutes out of Kaminga and Moody. So those guys are on a different timeline than you have sort of the progression of Poole into an established player, Wiggins taking the step forward. The Warriors have the foundation. They don't need a Patrick Baldwin Jr. They can fail at 28. And that's why I was so appreciative that they went for it. Because if it hits, yeah, it's a lot of problems. And you have to figure out where to play them now. You got to figure out how to pay them later, all this stuff. But that's the way you stay good. And that's the way that you give yourself some cushion so that if Clay does twist an ankle and is out for a month, or we get the Draymond injury that we saw last year, heaven forbid, Steph Curry gets the flu, like, if you have times that are down, you can stay up. You right. can't define your season. So uh, I love that pick, and, and I've loved what I've seen from him in the first two preseason games. He looks healthy, and that jumper is silky smooth. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I'll follow that up with uh, probably a much easier observation. James Wiseman's play, at least in game one, um, it certainly made the social media rounds. And I could go hyperbolic. You know, oh, he's ready to average 20 and 10. And that alley with Steph was so incredible. I won't go there. Here's what I'll say and what I feel confident doing. He he looked great, but that's not what I'll underline. Here what he looked. He looked big and he looked athletic. And I can't tell you how frustrating it is to watch other teams get consistent offensive rebounds against your team. It's like having your soul slowly sucked out of your body and you can't do anything about it. And so whatever else happens with his game, whether or not he develops a three-pointer, whether or not he has a back-to-the-basket game, whether or not he is a an elite rim threat, both defensively and offensively, what he does look like is big and athletic and someone who will help us rebound, someone who will stop that soul-sucking uh, sensation that we had through a lot of the playoffs, certainly against Boston. So I, I loved it. Uh, Maxine, we haven't heard from you forever. What do you got, man? Something you liked or didn't? I mean, how can you say that there's anything to not like at this point? It's all optimism. I loved seeing James Wiseman throw it down over Porzingis. I mean, that's a fantastic – it's just, in general, feeling very optimistic. Um, I saw the reports from Sam Vesani or whatever that, you know, he's like, oh, I I, I fucked up. Maybe he should have been a top-seven pick overall. It's just, like, really warm and fuzzy vibe. So, you know, the thing I'll add, um, which is off the court, but made me me smile a lot, right, was Steph – Going not just to go see the sumo wrestlers, but taking the young guys with him. I think it's just a really good sign of sort of the intergenerational work that's happening to kind of like, you know, work on these two timelines, uh, like you said, uh, that we want to make happen. So I just I think it's really great that also in his in his spare time, what Steph wants to do is go learn from other greatness. Uh, It's just another reminder that he's one of the greatest of all time. Do you guys see the clip of Steph? I don't know. It was like some Japanese game show something, but they gave him 90 seconds to hit. Uh, shots from 20 positions on the floor and the 20th one was from the half court and it was an an impossible array and of course he did it and the thing that stuck out to me wasn't his shooting prowess we see that but it was how much of a killer he is he he got about three quarters of the way through and then the time started getting a little bit tight 
And instead of showing who gives a shit, it's a Japanese exhibition. What he showed was, oh, I give a shit. This means the world to me. I'm not going to lose to this filthy Japanese court. And then he came on and just delivered yet another decisive victory. Uh, MT, what do you think, man? Something you like or don't? Yeah, I'll go. I didn't like since everybody else um, all had great points. Baldwin Jr., uh, Wiseman, and then off the court with Steph. One thing I didn't like was um, we recently, Warriors, released uh, Mac McClung. Uh, He had that, you know, fancy through the legs dunk and warm up that went a little viral. Um, And we signed Ty Jerome, um, used to play at University of Virginia instead. Um, And he's going to fight for a training camp or in training camp for a spot. And the reaction was, I think, mostly because of that dunk from Mac McClung. And he played pretty well during the preseason or um, summer league, excuse me, that, you know, people were upset and saying, oh, we should have kept him. That was a big mistake. And is it just feels wrong to continue to question this ownership and leadership team. Um, I think Bob and team have earned our trust and um, we were debating whether or not GP2 deserved a spot. And we were going back and forth about Avery Bradley at this time last season. So I think at this point they've earned our trust and I would just like to see those comments and backlash calm down and just put trust in the team that has got us, um, you know, where we are today. Also, what spot did he lose? He's not on the team. (laughs) There's no spot. The roster is set. Andre Godala showed up and they're like, okay, lock it in. Like there's there's no debate to be had. It's like, oh, we lost Mac McClung. You were always going to lose Mac McClung. It's just a question of how you can get him to Santa Cruz, which he probably ends up in Santa Cruz. Like they have three point guards. I'm not too concerned about Mac McClung, but I don't know, man. People get people get crazy. They're looking for reasons to be angsty, and it's like, pick your battles. Pick your battles. We'll get you plenty, but pick your battle. Dieter, did you get excited when, at least like I did, thinking that Marcus was going to have a pro-Met McClung take there? That he was going to be really disappointed that Mac had been cut, and he's like, I can't believe it. I'm a huge McClung guy. He takes that sweatshirt off, and he has a McClung jersey. Yeah. There's one guy who definitely is like that somewhere in the on the planet, and it's probably Mac McClung's dad, but uh, it's... <laughs> Yeah, no, I was I, that really that really detoured. I'm glad that it went to where it went because it's a great point. Because originally I was going to be like, do I have to shame Marcus for being like? I was hoping for. McClung? I'm not. I'm not glad it veered that way. I would have much preferred a shaming Marcus session. No, Maybe we can no, get because one. Then, no, because then your then your show turns into Mac McClung debate, and that's you're <laughs> never coming back from that. I don't even know much about him. I mean, he started Georgetown, transferred to He's Texas. A white guy. Who knows about that guy? <laughs> yeah, I don't care. As long as we are shit housing Marcus, I don't care what the topic is. It can be McClung, anybody else. And just we'll, we'll see. We've got a couple other questions here. Maybe another opportunity will arise. <laughs> Enough. Beating around the bush. Let's get to our difficult decisions. All right. So here's our first. Some background for this question. So here we have been going through a bracket um, and we're using the bracket to figure out the most important person to the Warriors dynasty, but it's, it's a preordained process. We know Steph is going to win the damn thing, but the rest of the questions and the order of the other nine have been kind of fun. And so the first thing we did is we decided the top 10, we've done that. Then we, we whittled down that top 10 to the top four. We've done that. And we've even handled one half of the top four's bracket. So, the final four was Steph v. Kerr. We've done that one, uh, and Steph came out the winner. And now we're looking at the other side of the bracket. It is Clay Thompson v. Draymond Green. I don't even know how to approach this question. This, this is, this is you know, the definition of killing your darlings. We needed both these guys for the championships. So 
instead of even coming up with an answer, I've saved it as a difficult decision for Dieter. It's yours, dude. So what do you think? Clay v. Dre, who's been more important to the dynasty? By the smallest of margins, it's Draymond Green. And I'm I'm going to say it's because of defense. And that's tricky for me because I do believe that Clay Thompson's perimeter defense, which is invaluable come playoff time, is dramatically underrated. And I think it was even underrated in last year's playoffs despite his injuries. We all know that Draymond didn't have the best NBA finals, so some recency bias can creep in here. And I, I had to fight it off. But Draymond Green fundamentally changed the way that the center position is played in the NBA and changed the way that defense is played in the NBA. And if you're capable of doing that, clearly you're doing something pretty good for the Golden State Warriors, that everyone is not only trying to shoot like Steph, but they're all playing defense, and everyone's trying to guard like Dre, and like four guys can do it. Four guys. Um, His ability to slide up to the five, his ability – to to play point guard unlocks the system and the system is fundamental to this team's success. So uh, while technically speaking, this team has only seen success with Clay Thompson, whereas I saw Draymond Green that one season where they saw that it was, it was emotional pain. (laughs) It was really, it was really rough to watch. I've seen Draymond be on a bad team, but he changes, he just changes the, fabric of this squad in a way that I don't think anyone else possibly could. I've constantly said, you know, obviously Steph Curry is number one. There's no question about that. We could even have a conversation about, you know, the most influential players in the history of the sport. And Steph Curry is part of that conversation. But Draymond Green is the Steph Curry of defense. And it's being lost a little bit because everything is sort of leveled out. Everyone has copied it. We're all playing the same game now. But I, I cannot... I cannot express enough how incredible it was in the early years, that 2015 season, when you just saw everyone realize, oh, we have to do everything different because that guy is just that good. And without that defensive foundation, the Warriors would have just been a team that was just a jump shooting team. And they were certainly way more than that for all those great years. Also, he called Kevin Durant in the parking lot. That was kind of important. (laughs) And had some words with him on the court, too. We don't have to go into that. Uh, (laughs) So let's see. I don't disagree with anything you said. In fact, I agree with most of the things you just said. And I'm going to turn this over to Marcus and Maxime in a moment. Let me talk up Clay just so we have the other side, right? And then see where they bring it. So No wrong answer. No, exactly right. So let me say this. Draymond is more important on the court than Clay is. There's no question. And don't get me wrong. Clay is fucking invaluable to this team. In fact, without Clay, Steph doesn't reach the heights that, that he has reached. He is one of the reasons why Steph has become that guy. So we know who the hell Clay is. And and Draymond's impact on the court. So defensively, Dieter just knocked it out of the park. He is as invaluable on that side of the ball as Steph is offensively. I won't even talk about it. But one of the secrets about Draymond is occasionally he is the quarterback for the offense as well. So his value is incredible and is more valuable on the court than Clay. Here's what I'll say about Clay. I think Clay's value off the court can't even be quantified, right? I think his unique combination of like aloof and confident and self-deprecating while also being undeniably cool gives a group of people something to galvanize themselves around. And I'll give you a stupid ass example that just happened this last weekend. Um, I am in the portion of my parenthood where I'm now meeting new people because my, my kid is making friends and then you got to meet their parents. 
So this last weekend, we are out in a group of parents I don't know anything about. They're nice enough, um, and we're all desperately trying to make friends, but we don't have anything in common. And for the first 10 minutes, it's weird, and it's awkward, and we're trying to get through it. 11 minutes in, somebody shows up wearing a very strange pair of sunglasses. Uh, they, they look like normal sunglasses, but the arms of them were in the shape of hands, and they were holding the lenses. And they were, they were weird. They were unique. They got all of our attention, and it galvanized us. It gave us something that everybody could talk about. The person who was wearing them was totally willing to make fun of themselves and, and you know be on board for it. And that one slightly off thing brought us all together. You know, 12 minutes in, now we were kind of a team, even though we didn't know each other. I think Steph's or Steph, I think Clay's personality is like that. I think that it doesn't matter who they bring in. If it's David West, if it's DeMarcus Cousins, if it's Dante DiVincenzo, whoever they bring in, this guy's personality immediately makes you feel like you're a part of something. It's something that everybody else can be around, and then it's it's that force. And I think that's that's a really important thing. Is it more important than what Draymond's done? I don't know, you know, but I, I throw it out there. Um, so MT, Maxime, give us your votes. You know, we, we've got one for Dre. I, I Just to make it exciting, I'll say Clay. It's 1-1. One, one. Um, if you guys both vote the same way, that'll suck. But let, let's see. What do you guys got? Uh, first of all, my sunglasses are very cool. So don't <laughs> I tried to keep uh, your name out of it, Marcus. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to uh, agree with Dieter and by the slimmest and slimmest of margins, I uh, agree with Draymond, but only because the, the value of, of the question is who's been most important to the dynasty. And I think Draymond holds everybody accountable on the court to what the organization and management has kind of instituted off the court. So there's no, you know, like the, the moment when Kevin Durant is second game in shoots a 30 foot three pointer off the break and it doesn't let Steph and Clay get down to their spots to see if they could get a wide open shot. And Draymond looks right at KD and says, we don't do that here. Like holding that hall of famer accountable right off the bat to say, no, 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 no. This is how the dynasty works here. I think pushes it ever so slightly ahead of clay clay for all the reasons you listed especially off the court and galvanizing around my sunglasses makes sense but i think on the court the reason why draymond consistently gets told he's the heartbeat of the team is because he's the heartbeat and that's to me just the slimmest of margins more valuable than what clay does maxine yeah at the same time we what are the stats when clay was healthy for you know first and second miles run over the course of a season i can't remember who was one and who was two but it was steph and clay a lot of the reason that our offense has so much space is because these two guys are constantly running around off ball and i think yes steph changed the game because of his willingness to do that and his willingness to work when he didn't have the ball but the same thing is true for clay and it doubles that up and makes it even more impactful and even more spacing but yeah, Draymond can pass him the ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Because that's the thing is because Draymond is constantly in the right place, constantly making the right pass, constantly looking on both ends, constantly yelling on both ends to make sure that everybody knows where to go. And I do think, yeah, 
Graham, to your point, Clay absolutely is a galvanizing force behind the locker room. But, you know, they constantly talk about, right, the like Popovich yelling at Duncan so that everybody understands that, oh, okay, if if your best player is going to be coached that hard, then all of your players can expect to be coached that hard. And I think it's it's almost more valuable for a player to be the one that's doing that. Um, Knowing that you yell at KD, knowing that he probably yells at Steph behind the scenes too, means that everybody is going to be in line. And I think that that's just incredibly important for what this team has had success-wise. What is every NBA team looking for on the defensive end? Somebody who can switch every position. Where'd that start? Straymond is what Dieter's saying. You know, he, he changed it. He changed all of that. He, he has changed how you win on the defensive side of the ball, and you don't do that unless you are incredibly important. It sounds like Draymond moves on to the finals where he will get his ass kicked by Steph, but that's a <laughs> question for another time. Here's another question for you, Dieter, and it's a hard one. All right, so yeah. Warriors have a money problem brewing. It's one we've talked about in a lot of different ways. Um, Connor brought it to our attention a while back, and we've been mulling it over with no definitive answers. In fact, I think it's gotten harder with what Wiggins has done. But here's the problem. In the next four years, Kuminga, Poole, Draymond, and Wiggins will all need deals, or all need new deals. So will Clay Thompson, by the way. So will Steph Curry. But I think those four, Kuminga, Poole, Draymond, and Wiggins, I don't think they're going to get to keep all four. In fact, I don't think they're going to get to keep more than two of them. So on the off chance I'm right, you have four names, Dieter. You can only keep two. Which of those four uh, or which of those two from those four do you keep? You keep Wiggins without a question in my mind. I think you start with that because he's still young. We saw how valuable he was in the NBA finals. You can't win a title without an elite wing. You just can't do it. And Andrew Wiggins, I didn't see it coming, but it happened. He's an elite wing man. So you start with Andrew Wiggins. I don't care what you have to pay him. You pay Andrew Wiggs. Now we get into the tricky part. If I had to knock somebody off immediately, I say Kaminga, right? Because I don't know what Jonathan Kaminga is yet. I love the athleticism, but there's a lot of athletic dudes in the NBA, maybe not as athletic as him. But what is it that he does well? He runs the floor. He can jump real high. Cool. You're going to need a little bit more than that. And maybe that comes, and we're having a much different conversation in a year. But hey, I just saw two games in Japan. Did anyone see anything that you're like, thank God Jonathan Kaminga is back on the floor? Yeah. Uh, he was the most disappointing player, I thought, yeah. uh, in Japan. So let's just take Kaminga. So now you come down to Draymond Green, the second most important player in the history of the dynasty, who, by the way, when it falls off, oh, it's going to be rough. Yes, right. And Jordan Poole, who – He's going to get the back. He deserves to get the back. The market is clear. It is set. Tyler Hero getting 120-something, $130 million. Okay, well, now we know what Jordan Poole is worth. Yeah. We know you know this is just built in. But Jordan Poole like, wasn't good in the playoffs. Like On a general stance, like, Jordan Poole was there, and some nights he would be fine, and some nights it's like, you better get your ass off the bench and stay there because you're hurting us. And he's young. There's a lot to learn. He's never going to be like a good defender, but there are a few dudes in the league who have that kind of shimmy, that kind of mobility, and that kind of shot. So if we have to make the decision today, I'm keeping Draymond Green off of the tiebreaker very simply, that maybe I'm not as high on Jordan Poole as most. No, very high on him. Still, I give him his contract. And Draymond Green is, again, Draymond Green. Uh, But if we're making a decision in two years – it's going to be – it's going to have to be cool. 
at that juncture. It would have to be pool just on the basis of you, you know that it's going to fall off with Draymond. And when it falls off, it's going to look like the NBA Finals. And that's not a good place to be. <laughs> MT, do you agree? I do. Um, that was spot on to what I was thinking. I, I think Kaminga is an easy knockoff. Um, I think Wiggins is the number one that you have to keep. Um, between Poole and Draymond, it, I think the recency bias switches and is applied to Jordan Poole too. He's one year away from, you know, having this great breakout season where we could argue he should have been considered for a six man of the year. But you can also say he was a year and a half removed from that, from starting in the G league. So um, to, to me, he has to pay more dues. I think he's on the right path, but to dismiss what Draymond has done and what he's meant to cash in on what might be happening. It's kind of like I'm playing poker, but I haven't looked at the two cards in my hand yet. And I, I know what I have with Draymond. So um, it will get rough when Draymond hits that cliff and, you know, father time catches up with him. But I think as of right now, Draymond is still playing at a high enough level that you have to respect that over what could be possible from a Jordan Poole. I think what we're saying is why I don't think Jordan Poole is going to be extended before the 17th. I think what we need is more time. We had this discussion. We did have this discussion. Rewind the clock five months ago. None of us are saying Wiggins for sure. None of us. But then what he did, of course it's Wiggins now. It's what he's shown. If we have a similar jump from Poole, I mean, what you guys are saying is on the money. Poole was both incredible during the, the playoff runs occasionally and then unplayable. They, because he could not play defense. They literally couldn't keep him on the court when Boston, even though they needed his offense, because he couldn't fucking stay in front of anybody. You know, so in this next year, if he shows giant growth, then, well, shit, easy decision. You know, if if he doesn't or Draymond starts showing some wear and tear, you know, they, they, so we need more information before this decision is made. And I think the Warriors are going to do exactly that. I think they're going to wait. You can't get cooked by Peyton Pritchard and then somehow yes. be picked over Draymond. I'm sorry. It's no, just, no. It's, I have principles. <laughs> Maxime, what were you going to say? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I get it. And I mean, sure, it's nice that we get the benefit of time and, and so on and so forth. But I think this is where I flip between Draymond and Jordan Poole. Because what's the most important thing for this franchise right now? Stephen Curry. It's still Stephen Curry. And actually, I think who is the most impactful between the two of them right now between Draymond and Steph? It's actually, I'm sorry, between Draymond and Poole. I think it's actually Jordan Poole. In that, as Steph continues to age, you have an opportunity for a six man point guard that can come off the bench and reliably not suck, right? When Steph is not playing. And that's really, really important right now because it allows us to kind of age Steph a little bit more gracefully. So if he's going to continue to ascend, sure, we know that Draymond is going to continue to descend. We have to have hope that we can find other people around the periphery that can do some of that work that Draymond is doing. But I actually think in terms of the impact on Steph, Jordan Poole is a little bit more valuable going forward. Do we owe Dr- Draymond something for what he's done? So, I mean, like, let, let's assume he yes. is. Let's assume he's going to go down. All right. Let's just assume that right now. What, is there anything to be said about paying him anyways so that we're we're broadcasting to the rest of the league? We take care of our stars. You know, you come in here, you build your number two in the dynastic ladder we we will give you money or is that is that ridiculous can you not make those kind of decisions in a salary capped league it's 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 tricky to make the decision i mean honestly you shouldn't i think that if you're really all about winning you shouldn't but this is still entertainment 
Yep. And you still have to put in the stars of the movie. You still have to cast Val yep. Kilmer in the Top Gun remake. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah. He was great in that, I'll have you know. I won't have I you know, shit out I know. And, 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 and Draymond Green is still great. Like There are still <laughs> these moments. Uh, by the way, it should be noted that Draymond is coming in like ripped. He's coming in with yeah. something to prove. I think he's going to have an absolutely monster year. Then probably we'll never have one again. But it's <laughs> it, it, the, the simple question if we're asking right here, right now, and the Jordan Poole time element could really work out for the Warriors. It could really fail. And by the way, it's sort of a paradoxical situation. If it really works out for the Warriors, they got to pay way more money. And if it really fails, well, then they probably don't want to pay this guy yeah. because, well, the market is set and he probably isn't as good as that market. Whereas with Draymond, you know, you're not going to have to pay him top, top dollar, yep. right? You don't have to go out there and, 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 and give him an absolute max. And then you take it beyond that. Who do you want closing? NBA Finals game, and by the way, both of them on the bench for NBA Finals games. Who do you want closing that game? Still, if I got Clay Thompson, I need Draymond Green. If I don't have Clay Thompson, then I need Jordan Poole. But I don't know if I, I don't know if I need Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. But I know my center, even with Kevon Looney, even with James Wiseman, I know my center is going to be Draymond Green in the final minutes of the critical moments when Steph Curry is still in his prime. And so long as Steph Curry is still doing his thing, I need to make sure Draymond Green's still on my team. Yeah. Well, and the social aspect, this is stupid and speculative, but that's what I specialize in. If if you don't pay Draymond, you know what he's going to be talking about on that fucking podcast? You know, that that the Warriors did not honor what he has brought to a dynastic run and that free agents everywhere should be aware that, you know, yeah. maybe this team isn't what they appear to be. Um, and I, I can see him really hammering yeah. that point home, which is not something I want to see. Uh, you got to oh. sign him and then you can trade him, but you, you can't not sign him. You can't yeah, just give him the money. Him. Here is our last difficult decision right is there. not basketball related, but it is one that is hard to make. And we need your, uh, your specific skill set. At making hard calls. So this is what I call the serial question. A little bit of background. We've been overusing this, but it's back in our life because the serial podcast is back in our life. So the premise is that I listened to a podcast way back when in that podcast, one of the members said we all have someone in our life who can get rid of a body for us. And it's become what I call the serial question. If you've got to get rid of a body, who would you turn to? And to make it less morbid, we gave it some logistical uh, clarifications. You know, one, you've got to be good at actually getting rid of the body. You wouldn't forget things. You'd be good with details. Two, the social aspect. You'd be able to hold up if the cops came. You're not going to panic. You know, you could you could talk without giving shit away. And we've done it in a lot of different contexts. We've asked which warrior you'd pick. I've used this at dinner parties. I've had married couples turn on one another. They never pick one another. I had somebody say, you could pick my husband if you wanted to go to jail immediately, which I hell of respected. So this is the serial question. Bad news, Dieter. You've got a body to bury. Good news. You've got three people who would love to help you. Bram, Maxime, and Marcus. All of us are right here at your disposal. You can only pick one of us. Who would you pick? I'm going to go with Marcus because he has said, one, that when he broke it, it wasn't, there was no accident about it. <laughs> it wasn't about it. And I feel like Marcus holds up all under pressure. I'm sorry, Bram. Sorry, Maxime. But like, it, it's got to be Marcus through and through. I uh, I think that's a really Good stupid choice. and terrible answer. You're going to Good jail choice. immediately. I will visit you in jail because that's the type of person I am. Just know that. And I 
I'd even break. What, what if I want to go down? The, the real answer is I would somehow find a way to get Draymond Green to do it for me be uh, because he can both. Uh, he's both very physically fit uh, and uh, a great vamper. Incredible vamper. Ten out of ten. Absolutely incredible. Sixty percent chance Draymond gets away with it and then wants to have a podcast appearance about it because he wants everyone to know how incredible he was. Like I'm not sure that New media secret's... baby. Yeah. Okay. New I'm media. not sure that secret stays stays buried. Unlike someone like me who would be incredible and just keep it out of the news entirely. Well, just know. Dieter, I wouldn't pick you either. I would have had you pick That's me. That's a good but choice. Yeah, I'm not picking no. you at all. Uh, I'll dig you I'm... a hell of a hole, but oh boy. <laughs> My entire life is not keeping secrets. It's going to be bad. Maxime, are you hurt by this? So I, I, I'd like to tell you that I could. I don't care at all. I do. I would have liked to have been picked. I like winning, winning things, and I did not win this, so I'm a little pissy. For you, do you take it hard <laughs> at all or no? It's just a stupid game, and who cares? Oh, that, that's an unfair dichotomy. I listen. I think you got to focus on your strengths. That's not really one of my strengths. I would have chosen between the two of you, Bram. You're a smooth talker. You probably convinced the cop that came to the door that it was actually him that buried the body. Let's go. You know. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, Marcus. Like, come on, Marcus is logistically very tight. You didn't even um, finish the compliment for me. We didn't. They didn't even feel like we finished that sentence. You could at least. Uh, everyone everyone knew the downside of it. He left that out. You pastor Dieter, you've already you've already stabbed me. You don't have to keep stabbing me over. Hey, over. you're the body that we're trying to bury here. <laughs> that's, that's factually accurate, unfortunately enough. I mean, after this, I'm going to reach out and I'll tell you who I'm not reaching to bury me somewhere. Any of you fuckers, you guys are all off my list. I'm absolutely, positively not picking you. Um, cool, right. please, please don't make me part of your crime. I'd prefer not to be an. <laughs> don't pretend like you're not hurt, Dieter. You, you're <laughs> just as competitive as I am. I don't believe you. You would definitely. You're out there breaking clubs on one of the nicest uh, holes in yeah. the history of golf. You definitely would take this hard too. You'd break that shovel. You'd be I right outside, ready to help me, and then break the shovel over your head because I didn't pick you. It'd be such. It'd be such a great hole. You, you can't even <laughs> believe how good of a hole I would dig. See? That's exactly right. I'd say something Just like, like that. metaphorically in this uh, yeah. little segment. You don't here. even deserve to see my hole, man. You don't even know how great I would be I've in this context. Dieter, you met every expectation. You made every one of these hard calls phenomenally well. I really appreciate you, and I'm not the only one. For people who need way more Kurtenbach in their life, where do they go? Uh, at Dieter on Twitter, if you got the warm brains like your boy, and uh, San Jose Mercury News, you can, you can check out all my stuff there. And every now and again, you'll hear me on KMBR. And when you hear me, you know, because your car immediately swerves off to the side of the highway. So I uh, <laughs> appreciate you guys having me on. Always a pleasure. Uh, for us, you want to shoot us an email, let us know we did a good job, bad job, get us a question. You can shoot that too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Our only social media presence on Twitter, that's at best body or barrier on the face of the earth. Uh, and with that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good.